welcome to another exciting podcast from Sydney Life Church. And now here's Pastor Tom Ingalls. I'm going to uh, I'm going to teach you basically. I titled it "Worship Works Wonders," and it's basically it's the the idea is from the Samadhi. You know, the Samadhi course is something God gave me years ago. This is the actual workbook, and this is the manual. And we developed this many many years ago. I made many changes to it, but. God used this unbelievably. I mean, uh, I never dreamt for a minute that God would use it the way he's used it. We have no idea. I have no idea how many people have gone through this. But I don't, I don't want to... Um, it's tens of thousands, if not more than that, in 40-odd nations. I'm still getting reports. I get a report the night before last, just to let you know. These come through almost every week. Um, listen to this. I don't even know where this guy comes from. Um, He says, he put it on Facebook, he says, I did this course in the late 80s in Johannesburg, South Africa. So that's where we did it. He says, it opened up new worlds of understanding, life-changing, born-again, every born-again person should attend and gain this knowledge. So, um, we're here. So what I'm going to do with you guys is this, and I've never done it, and I'm not going to do it except here. I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you this. I'm not going to charge you for it. So there's the manual, and there's the workbook. It's free for you. It's the only, the only place I would do it. If you want to put a donation towards Samadhi, you can do that. So you can put a donation in there. If you don't have anything, then just take it. But take that and take that and get through it at your own time. But you'll find it, um, it is life-transforming. It is life-changing. I just got a, I was on Skype this week to my, the folk in England. I've just done a, quite a big Samadhi thing in, in London. And these things happen. I'm not even, I'm not even aware of some of the things until after the events. But they said they had an incredible um, time in London with the course. And um, they remarked there was many pastors there. And um, there, was a, there's a whole, there was a whole lot of young people were actually excited about this course. And I think that's what God is doing right now, is God is, is really speaking to young people to be intimate with God. And um, so anyway, the stuff is there for you. There'll be more next week. I'll bring more. Uh, I think there's 35. You take one of each and go through it at your own time. What I'm going to be teaching you these next four weeks is a little different to what's in there. Slightly different. But uh, you'll get the idea. Amen. So what we're going to do is this. Um, I've got notes for you to take home on what I'm teaching. But I'm not giving them to you now. I'm going to teach so you can listen. And then we'll, ha- we'll have a cup of tea. We'll bring our tea back. They'll put biscuits out for you. And we're going to break up. We're going to uh, have these groups at each table. And you can get through the notes. And there's a facilitator at every table. And you can ask questions and just go through the notes and whatever. Amen. So that's how we'll do it. So that everything's good. Is that all right? All right. Okay. Go to Psalm 16, would you? Psalm 16. Psalm 16. And the reason I'm not giving you the notes at the beginning is I know how easy it is when you've got notes to get distracted and not actually listen to the speaker. So um, I know I do that if I get given notes. So I would rather that you listen because listening is important. And then you can take these notes home with you and, uh, and go through them. Uh, King David was an incredible guy. King David was one of probably the greatest Old Testament saint because of what God entrusted him with. And, and, you know, you can always tell how great a man or a woman God is with what God entrusts them with. 
Amen. That's powerful. You can assess very quickly, you know, where a person's at by how much God will entrust them. God entrusted David more than any other person in the Old Testament. Yeah, he used Moses, Abraham incredibly, but um, I'll show you a little later how God entrusted David with the future, which, which you and I are uh, gaining from even today. And so David made this statement in Psalm 16 and verse 8. He said this, he says, I have set the Lord always before me because he is my right hand, I shall not be moved. And that the title of this first lesson is this, The Purpose of Life. Ever wondered why you exist? Any of you ever wondered about that, why you actually exist? I think everybody who's ever lived have actually thought about that. You know, people who don't know God have wondered, what am I doing here? What is the purpose of life? Everybody must ask that question at some stage. And so David, David had that revelation. He had a revelation why he existed. See, it works like this. is when you and I know why we exist, when we know we exist for God, and then we trust God, then God will give us stuff to do that makes life fulfilling. Up until that time, life is not very fulfilling. Life is just an existence. You just get by. A lot of Christians are like that. They just get by. I met some people this morning, and, and they were well-dressed, and I knew they were going to church, some elderly people, and I says, uh, you guys going to church? They says, yes. And before I could ask them anything else, they said, yeah, we're going to the, the Sacred Heart Church down the road. And this is what they said, it's very fast. <laughs> that was their opening statement. It's very fast. We're in at half past seven and we're out by five past eight. So uh, uh, that was the end of the conversation. Uh, I knew that, uh, you know, I couldn't go anywhere else with that. But it was like, it was like, rather than talking about God, it was the speed with which they're in and out, you know. And so, uh, so that's fine. But, you know, I doubt if, if you'll ever find the purpose of God in that. Amen. If you just confess your sins every week, um, that's not really what Christianity is about. Amen. What Christianity is about is talking to God and then he'll tell you actually what sins you're supposed to confess. That's the key. Amen. So thanks for your enthusiasm this morning. So anyway, David had a revelation of that. And so he makes a statement like this. And he says there, he says, in the Good News translation in Psalm 16:8, he says, I am always aware. Now, this is where I want to go here today. He says, I am always aware. I am always aware of the Lord's presence. That was the key to David's life. He says then, he is near and nothing can shake me. Amen. In another translation, the message, it says, day and night, I'll stick with God. I've got a good thing going and I'm not letting go. I'm happy from the inside out and from the outside in. I'm firmly formed. You cancelled my ticket to hell. That's not my destination. But the point is this. The purpose of life then, what is the purpose of life? The purpose of life, God has created every human being who's ever lived for essentially one thing. And that is to experience the presence of God. That's why you live, man. You know, some Christians are focused on getting to heaven. Well, I'm going to heaven so I can be in God's presence. Come on, man. Get the revelation. You can do that right now. Amen. This is where you're supposed to get the revelation of the presence of God. This is where you're supposed to know God. Because guess what? The kingdom is here. The kingdom is right now. God is, is busy doing stuff here right now with you. So God's, God wants you, and this is why David was used so mightily of God, because he was always aware of the presence of the Lord. He says, God is actually not far. 
God is actually here. Religion tries to tell us that God is far away. But that's a lie. God is actually right here. And David knew that. And so the purpose of life then is to experience his presence. The universe that God created is nothing in comparison to you. So God says, you know, I created you to experience my presence and my love. And then what happens when you do that is that life becomes fulfilling. You can tell very quickly when you meet Christians whether life is fulfilling or not. You can almost sum up everything about their life. You can tell whether they pray, whether they read the Bible, whether, whether they go to church regularly. Everything just by a few sentences that they will make or just the way they are. Because if they're not... See, guys, let's, let's just get to the very... I feel a little insecure t- today with you. <laughs> let's get to the bottom of this thing. The, the bottom line of this thing is that if you're not experiencing God's presence in a regular way, you're going to be miserable, man. Because yeah. you're created to do something that you're not doing. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. But when you start to experience the presence of God in a regular way, things become exciting because God starts talking to you. You start talking back to God. God hears you. God answers prayer. God does a whole lot of stuff. God starts using you like, like Kate gone to India, who up until that time was, if I could say, a normal housewife, just doing the mundane things that one does, living in the northern beaches, and all of a sudden God walks into her life and says, India. And she goes and does stuff that is beyond human comprehension. How could God take someone who's just doing what they normally do? And I say this, I say this in a nice way. Kate's no ordinary woman. But she was doing ordinary things up until that time, if I could say that, compared to what she's doing now. What she's doing now is supernatural. There's nothing ordinary about what she's doing now. So, you know, God says that's when life becomes exciting. In other words, this adventure that we have with God becomes so exciting when we start to find out more about His presence and that He's always near. How close is God then? God is no further away than your consciousness of Him. You know, your consciousness. Are you, and this is a key, this is a key that will help you with everything. You know, that God is always there. You're continually conscious of God. You should never be unconscious of God. I'll never forget years and years ago, there was a man, um, I forget the context in which it was, he was interviewed, but, you know, we were talking about him and his wife's relationship and, and, and stuff like that. And, uh, and he, he traveled a lot. And so they were saying to him, well, how do you, you've lived a long life and you've, you've you know, you've, you've had one wife and you've done really well and, and it must have been difficult and stuff like that. And, and he said, you know, what has been the key to your marriage relationship that has been so strong in the midst of everything you've gone through? And he says, it doesn't matter where I am. I'm always conscious of her. Amen. She can be in the next room. She can be watching television there. I can be watching television here. But I'm conscious of her. But if she's not there, I'm equally conscious of her. We don't necessarily have to be sitting together. But when we're apart, I'm still conscious. That is exactly how it is with God. We don't lose consciousness of God when we leave here on a Sunday morning. We've got the consciousness of God all the time. He's always there. It's exciting. Because then he's there when you're in the coffee shop and, and you talk to someone in the coffee shop. And I didn't do very well this morning. But you talk to someone in the coffee he's, he's right there. He's leading you. He's guiding you. It's exciting. The Bible says, draw near to God. This is, 
This is the, the, this is the key to, to being close to God. Because you decide how close you want to get to God. Now, I've, I've spoken to, to you this for years or, or in different ways. But the Bible says, draw near to God and He will draw nigh unto you. That's what the Bible says, amen. In other words, you decide then how near you want to get to God. Some people think, well, you know, that woman is so mightily used of God. That man is so mightily used of God. God must love them. God loves everybody. God has no favorite. So God doesn't come to you because you're so special, Barbara Ingalls. He doesn't say, well, Barbara is so special. Nice lady. So I'm just going to spend. No, 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 no. What happens is you decide how close you want God to get to you. Draw nigh unto God and he will draw nigh unto you. So you decide. So every man and woman then who's ever lived as Christians have got to be content with the distance that they've allowed God or not allowed God to come into their lives. That's just the way, the way it is, you know. Yeah. Reinhard Bonk and guys like that, I mean, they're, they're not specially favored of God. David was an ordinary guy when God found him. God found David in the sheep fields as a young boy playing his guitar, worshiping God. God says, I can use that. I can do that. It wasn't like David was unconscious of God. He was already conscious of God when God chose him to become a king. He was thinking about God. He was playing to God. He was worshiping God. He was talking to God and God says, I can use that. I can make him king. He did not create him. The Bible is clear about that. If you look at both the Hebrew and the the Greek words talking about how God found David, it's in both Testaments. The word in both Testaments doesn't mean that God created him. It means that God found him. Oh, hallelujah. God never created him. God found him. Some guys are looking for the breakthrough into ministry. You know, let me meet the right contacts. Let me meet the right people. Well, Jim, you've been in China 40 times. I mean, nobody ever opened up doors for you in China except God. No one opened up doors for me to travel the world and, and teach on worship. Yeah, yeah through, 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 there, was, there was times when God, there was favor. But the, but the favor of God was a God thing. It was like, yeah, I can use that. I'll open up stuff. And God's it's the same with you. So you've got to be content, actually, how much you want to be used by God. Is this making any sense? So, so, you know, so you, you've got to be kind of, well, you, some people say, I'm never used by God. God, you know, I don't know, but God will choose somebody. No, God wants to use you. But you've got to draw, draw close to God and show interest in God. And God will show interest in you. Amen. It's not complicated. But we've made it complicated. And so, he doesn't have any favorites. Now, what is the secret to God's presence? I'm going to read to you from Psalm 20. And these are on your notes. You'll love this. So you'll get these notes um, at tea break. In Psalm 27, verse 8, he says, watch this. Now, he says, you have said, seek my face. I'm reading from the Amplified. Inquire for and require my presence as your vital need. My heart says to you, your face, your presence, Lord, will I seek. Inquire for and require of necessity. And on the authority of your word. In other words, David's attitude was, you know what? I'm sensing something here. I'm I'm, I'm sensing something here. What I'm sensing here is, I need you as my vital necessity. One of the translations puts it like that. This is not an option. God's presence 
for you and I is not an option, especially in these times in which we live. It can be an option. You can choose God when you want. But you won't probably get much done if you choose God when you want. If you choose God in times of great need, yes, we need God. But choosing Him when it suits you is not the key. Letting Him choose you when you don't want to be chosen is the key. Amen? So He says, this is my vitalness. In other words, He's saying, God... I'm sensing something here. I'm sensing that you can use me. This is how David must have been thinking. I'm sensing that you can use me. God was confirming that in his heart. So then he makes a statement and he says, Okay, if that's the deal, if you think you can use me, then what I'm I'm seeing here is I need you. It is a vital necessity for me to fulfill the things that God wants me to do in my life. I need you, God. Amen. I need you, God. You know, Bible schools. So many get through Bible schools. Come, they go through Bible schools, and they think the formula is the knowledge of the Bible school. The formula is not the knowledge of the Bible school. The formula is the presence of God. Yes. You don't even have to go to Bible school, because if you, you might say, well, how do, it's good to go to Bible school. It's good to get knowledge. But you might say, if you don't go to Bible school, how will God ever use me? Well, if you've got intimacy with God, God's going to draw you into the Bible. You'll start being a student. You'll be your own Bible school. Amen. You'll become the dean and everything. You'll, you'll mark your own papers and get A's every time. It's awesome. Amen. Let, let me just shake you with something here. That not even faith is a formula. Not even worship is a formula. We talk about worship, and we've, we've, we've misinterpreted this in, in, entire subject. We've said, well, if we worship, God's presence will come, which is true. He inhabits the praises of His people. But you cannot formulate worship for God to come. It is not a formula. Neither is faith a formula. We've even misconstrued the whole concept of faith. We, you know, we've said, well, faith is a force. Now, it is a force, but that's not the formula. You cannot... Barbara and I were brought up with this we've talked about it with Pastor Jim a lot we were taught you confess you confess the word and it'll happen but we confess until the cows come home and nothing happened I'm going to put this in context now we had, we, had, we had women in those days, you know in the faith movement say well just trust God for a painless childbirth and they confessed, and they prayed, and they went in, and they came out. <laughs> and, and they had a story. Amen? Because it was a, we're making a formula. It's a formula. But actually, I want to tell you, faith is not a formula. You know, the Bible says something so powerful. It says, faith worketh by love. So love is the formula. Love is the formula. So how does faith work then? Faith works by love. What am I talking about? I'm talking about relationship with God. Amen? So unless you're prepared to develop a relationship with God, your faith doesn't work. But as soon as you've got a relationship with God, that awareness of His presence, you will start to operate in faith, and faith will start to get your results. Even when we tithe... Tithing is not a formula. 
relationship. So everything in the Bible is reduced. I'm watching my time. I'm going to go quick here. Everything in the Bible is reduced to, if you could reduce it to one simple thing. One simple thing. It's all about relationship. That's it. With Him. In fact, all your relationships with everybody else is based. You get problems with, with a pastor. Know that you have. But if you've got problems with people, anybody, let me tell you your problem. Because you'll say, ah, that person, she did this and he did that and da 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 da. So that's not the problem. Let me tell you the problem. The problem is your relationship with him at that time. Somebody help me here. Amen. Amen. So if you've got a problem with somebody, you know what God is saying? Even though they did wrong against you, God is saying to overcome this, you have to draw close to me. Because if you don't, you'll never overcome this problem. Amen? It all comes back to relationship. Everything does. All our relationships we have with people are based on a relationship we have with God. Everything. You can boil it all down to that. So, Religion is a terrible thing. <laughs> His voice is no further than your prayer. That's how close is to you. God is to you. His presence is as close as your revelation of the Holy Spirit. His power is as close as that. So <clears throat> I want to just go to the last point because I'm going to cut all this down. <clears throat> Here's the thing. God's presence does not come on its own. This is what's exciting. God's presence is never on its own. God's presence is always accompanied by His kingdom. Amen. By His kingdom. They're inseparable. So God's presence, God's God's kingdom. So you could say it like this. If we found God's presence, there's there's a reward. If we found His presence, there's always a reward. What is that reward? It is His kingdom and all that the kingdom contains. Oh, hallelujah. That should excite somebody here. Amen. In other words, His kingdom responds to your seeking. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. Amen. When you're seeking the kingdom, you're actually seeking God. So you could, you could, you could change those words. Seeking God is seeking the kingdom. Putting the kingdom first. And he's saying everything will be added to you when you seek my kingdom. You know, Warren, uh, Warren touched on it this morning, but you know, everything, God, everything God wants to do through your life could be incredible. Well, I believe it is incredible. But, but, but what, God, what God wants to do is the things he's got, the incredible things he's got, the amazing things he's got, the credible things he's got for you to do is always accompanied by the stuff that you need to make it happen. Now, it doesn't mean that everything's just going to fall in your lap. Like Kate was saying, you know, she's doing the work, but it's difficult at times. But there'll always be what you need to get the job done. Amen? So, so the seeking comes with the kingdom. That's incredible. Jesus prayed that prayer. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is on heaven. That's an incredible statement. It's a powerful statement. Access to the kingdom of heaven comes through seeking God, not formula. Have you got that? Not formula. 
Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And all these things. I'm going to read you one last scripture and then we're going to break. And we'll go and get tea and we'll bring the tea back. In Psalm 84, in verse 11. And you've got this, this will be in your notes as well. So when God, when you start seeking God, God will set you up. Let me just say this to you, that um, I've noticed in all these years of ministry, God has used people powerfully, and I, I know some people that God has used very, very powerfully. When you look at what they've achieved, you think, my goodness, that is incredible, and you just see the results, but you don't see the process through which they've had to go through to achieve those results. If you could see the process, you might think, I'm not, I, I don't want to get those results at that expense. A lot of us would, would be like that. I don't want to get those. I want the results, but not necessarily having to pay that price. But God views it actually different. God views it completely different. The way God views it is God says, I want the results, but more than anything, I want the process that they've, uh, they've allowed me to proce- process them through to get those results. Because what the process does is the process allows you and I to become more like Jesus. And it's tough sometimes. I know what Barbara and I have gone through to build this church and, 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 con- and continue to maintain the church. And, you know, from our sanity. Some people on the outside look at sanity and say, geez, what a ministry that guy's got. I mean, look at his, how he's affected people. All over the world. They have no idea what we've gone through for that to happen. No idea what Barbara's gone through to when I've been away for years, plowing into the nations. Barbara said to bring up four kids, at least three of them most of the time. I was, I was away for, for, for weeks at a time. Pastor Jim getting into China, leaving Janet home. People want the results. People hear, oh man, look what God has done through this man. And only God knows what's been done through him. But they don't, it's the process. It's like, who's prepared to leave his wife and go to China? Where there's no glory, there's no television, there's no stuff. There's just playing down, preaching the gospel. Who wants to do that without the glory? Not many. But when God can find someone who's prepared to get through the process, the results will come. Amen. That's the presence of God. And it says there in Psalm 84, he says, No good thing will God withhold to those who walk uprightly. For the Lord is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing, no good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Last line. That means... There's no limitation. And I've got to, I've got to continue. I've got to build, build myself up in this area just like you do. You know, you get, get, reinforce it all the time. But what it means is this, that there's no limitation he imposes on those who seek him. There's no limitation he imposes on those who seek him. All that heaven offers is a destiny of seekers. Hallelujah. The purpose of life is to experience His presence. And in the process, His promise is that there is no good thing, no good thing that His kingdom offers that will be withheld from you. It's pretty powerful. Well, with that, 
Can we give the Lord a hand? This has been another podcast from Sydney Life Church. For more teaching and resources, please head to our website, sydneylifechurch.com.